0: the following is a production by cutting to the chase podcast what's up it's been a while since we've been able to hang out and talk and just watch some boxing like we used to
1: so will and i we go back to uh longwood university he was in uh undergrad i was in grad school and you know around that time the uh that one night um it was the night at like the chinese restaurant we just kind of met up there (laughs) (laughs) and then uh I think that like you and I, we, we were, I I think that I was mentioning, Hey, you know, I'm into boxing, you know, we're probably going to go back and watch some matches. You want to come along. And the one thing that uh, I noticed about you was that you would, you hadn't really watched boxing at all, but then your way into boxing was comparing certain things that I'd say to baseball (laughs) <laughs> you'd always go back to baseball you'd be like oh so it's like in baseball whenever and I'm like yeah I guess
0: <laughs> yeah you know I don't even remember I I, I um it was funny because you were telling me last night or not last night but a couple of days ago to watch the Porter Spence yeah. fight so I was watching that I found that it was a good fight but you know I was watching that and I was remembering those times where I would be like trying to uh, compare it to like hockey or something in other sports just to be like oh yeah okay like this so yeah, I get it. yeah yeah
1: it kind of reminds me there was uh i think it's my cousin i had a conversation with him about uh, creative writing and he told me he had only read one book and it was uh the hobbit so he only read the hobbit and so when I would be talking to him about, like, you know, creative writing techniques, he just always say stuff like, it's like in The Hobbit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know, that just kind of reminded oh, me of
0: man. it. <laughs> the funny thing is, just like you were saying, I had never watched boxing, or I had never really watched boxing much before.
1: But yeah, those times were fun. I was so yeah. used to just watching, like boxing as like a solitary hobby like I didn't have anybody to watch boxing yeah. with and so I was like you know gaining all of this knowledge constantly like addicted to the sport and I had nobody to talk to about it it was kind of sad <laughs>
0: yeah well it, it was fun because I mean like you said it was you probably never expected to have any kind of like hangouts around it and it became kind of a theme that year whether it was me and you or Simeon or other people it was fun just yeah. to, and you know, I look back on those days. That's what I, so when I, even as just a very casual boxing observer now, it's it's like I just remember 2013 was like the year I was about to graduate and we were just watching fights. It was fun.
1: Dude, we were binging like crazy. Yeah. Like, I had my hard drive, it was like stocked full, and I was just like, oh, this is a good fight. You got to watch this fight. And we were just sitting on the couch, you know, we were drinking. Probably what you're drinking right now, exactly. Coke and Jim Beam. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> we fixed up that cocktail, and uh, we would just go.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was apropos for the day, because if we were going to talk oh, boxing, yeah. I had to get the Jim Beam back in the mix. I mean,
1: I I fell short because <laughs> my car's not working, so I wasn't able to you know, run however miles it was to get to uh, the liquor store in order to actually make this appropriate, but... I did get beer, and well, I think that I need to crack one open.
0: I was gonna say, if it's it's at least one drink or the other of all the fights we watched and just binging, I I doubt there was ever a day where we didn't have something at That's least. True.
1: <laughs> so, what was one fight that you always just like remember? back from those days
0: it's funny because i don't even know i I, you you probably showed me the fight and i can't even remember the specific boxers but you'll know it was that legendary scene where basically he was like you better do something now and then all of a sudden the dude comes back on the edge castillo yeah right and that boxer tragically died right um
1: that was a car accident i believe
0: yeah uh that was diego corrales yeah yeah exactly and there's and then of course yeah this is the obvious but uh i always think back to the the obvious ones like mayweather and uh uh, mayweather pack when we were watching that with rob we had to watch that one the next day because we couldn't find any kind of way to get it the the night before (laughs) oh man i'm trying to think you you i mean obviously you're the you're the official boxing source you have all the info but you know i was watching so i was watching that porter spence fight right away first off i thought it was great because i think this fight was in 2019 and the it was a showtime i guess showtime fox sports combination and so kenny albert was the i guess what's the word blow by blow or the official um commentator yeah. and i was like i'm so used to him with the nfl and every other sport and i was like oh that's fun that's cool kenny albert's one boxing How, do you like kenny albert as a boxing analyst i don't or? know
1: him well enough um He's his brother, I know, was really into the Showtime uh, commentating. Uh,
0: you don't mean his dad, Marv, right? Maybe it is his brother. I don't even know. I know his dad is Marv Albert, but he
1: had a really distinctive voice. It was, I don't know, something about his voice was more charming than the uh, commentary he was actually giving. <laughs> Like, sometimes you get commentators like that where they're not exactly technicians of the sport, but, I mean, they can deliver the blow-by-blow and just, like, call it how it is or at least, uh, you know, express some enthusiasm to the point where you're getting, you know, emotions flaring up and kind of uh, pseudo-vicariously, you know, grabbing on to their emotions as well. And, I mean, sometimes you got guys that are good at that. You see, you, you tend to wanna to have a guy who knows uh, the sport well enough to be like to give technical input. Every now and then, like Jim Lampley, you know, he he knew it well enough because he had been in it long enough, like as a blow by blow guy. It's not like he ever put on gloves or anything. So it's it's kind of like you either have a guy who actually happens to be articulate like uh Roy Jones Jr. or a uh, Pauly Malignaggi, like those guys, you know, they see things that ordinary, like, casual viewers just plain don't see. And uh, Jim Lampley, uh, like Larry Merchant, even though he was getting senile by the end, like, uh, they tended to defer to the ones who were more, like experience with the actual sport either being like uh being a trainer or an actual fighter in the past but yeah in, in any case the all that like Jim Lampley could be expected to bring is enthusiasm and emotion and you know him in particular he would be he would kind of like weave like uh poetics you know into what he's talking about and His eloquence is more what's, uh, you know, I guess like, uh, valued in his, uh, casting. Yeah. We were, we were talking about, uh, Kenny Albert. Not sure about him. Like I, uh, I haven't seen enough of his stuff. Say
0: yeah, so he's probably. I mean, I don't know, but I'm assuming just because of the Fox Sports contract, it's probably just in his contract. They had to do fighting. I mean, being the casual observer, he held his own. Um, you would know more based on what he had said or didn't say, I guess. But you know, it's funny to me because, well, actually, so starting from the very beginning, so um, I found a link on YouTube that showed everything from like the intros and everything coming out. I love uh, with Spence. Having that, he had uh, I looked up. I think I found the rapper, but I don't know the name now. But anyway, I love that he had a live rapper and is like entourage coming out because that's the first time I've seen anyone do a live rapper. Link. Yeah,
1: no, it's common.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it's common. is. I'm sure you're, it, is. I'm sure yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, and then I saw, and then I send you that link with it, the marching band. <laughs> I was like, what?
1: I liked that. Like I, yeah, I like yeah. any ring walk that brings like novelty to it, where it's right, It's like, just like. Okay, he shelled out a lot of money to get, get this spectacle going, but I mean, and I mean, hey, it's all like pre fight pageantry type stuff, but like, and it really doesn't matter whenever you get into the ring. But if you get like the audience hyped up, you know, they they won't be acting like they just took some NyQuil and are about to pass out. So, I mean, you get a marching band out there and you can get people like, you know, in good spirits and then that might make you fight better. Who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I it was I think cool. that that's and kind then, of the
1: purpose of the ring walk.
0: Right. And then, you know, during, I think it was about, they were like four or five rounds in and they went back to the pre-fight analysts and I think it was Keith Thurman said that uh he, i think he said he had basically he had porter winning every round and when they come back to kenny albert he was like what do you guys think yeah. you know talking about like lennox lewis and they were like well it depends on what fight he's watching but it's been a pretty even fight and it seemed like there was sort of like this like he's got basically he has porter winning every round but everybody else is like no nah, it's been pretty even so it was just kind of funny to me
1: see there's That's always an interesting situation because whenever it cuts to the fighters or if it cuts to somebody like in another area, they kind of have their own group think where they're all talking about, oh, man, Porter's really laying it on right now. But then there's also like politics involved with that. Their fighters themselves, they're actually involved in, you know, having to face one fighter or the other fighter. They might politically need to bash one fighter versus another fighter just to, you know, kind of like raise the stakes or raise like kind of the uh, not stakes, but the value of one of the fighters. Right. Because Porter going into it, he was kind of the underdog. And you'll find that whenever you get like an outside view, objectivity kind of gets squishy. Because they, uh, they might talk to a person who's just elsewhere, and then that person will say, you know, speaking from, like, his feelings that he likes Porter, he's going to be saying, like, oh, yeah, I have Porter winning every round. And whenever you get into that mentality, it's kind of like, yeah, you're, you're full of shit. <laughs> because, like, you're, you're yeah. already just kind of saying, like, hey, you know... You should be dominating this guy because he's the quote-unquote underdog, but since you're not dominating him, I'm going to give him every round. You know, you, you never really know what kind of mentality a person's having whenever they're watching a fight, but one thing that it, you, you tend to do whenever you're you're more than just like a casual is you pay attention to, like, uh, commentators, and every commentator has their own, like, sense of integrity. You know, You're either going to prove yourself as a commentator, and if you're a person who's been watching the sport more than being a casual, you'll be paying attention to what commentators to actually listen to, and then what commentators who say things that you're just like, yeah, shut up, I want to listen to the (laughs) other guy.
0: Yeah, I guess is Keith Thurman kind of, is that how you kind of view him? Is he kind of just like whatever, or do you consider him pretty, pretty knowledgeable?
1: Keith Thurman is an emotional guy, and I think that he tends to talk with his emotions, and whenever that happens, you kind of lose a bit of objectivity.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, at the end. So I did think, I mean, looking at it, it seemed pretty even, but I I knew going in, they said that everybody pretty much had Spence winning, and then, you know, of course, it was a split decision in the end. Did you agree with the way the not that he won but did you agree with the split i guess it was pretty even right until that knockdown late i think that was like the 11th or 12th round I think it was 11th round okay
1: so the way that i saw the fight was uh mostly it was porter was pretty much driving the narrative uh, because he was the busier fighter he was he was constantly throwing a higher punch output than spence even though you know Spence already also had a pretty high output. That's kind of like what the narrative was going into the fight, that one person was going to be throwing more just about uh, everything, including the kitchen sink at the other guy. And that's kind of what uh, everybody was looking forward to with this matchup. And I think that mainly uh, when you watch the fight, it's what do you prefer? Do you prefer the frequency the the volume of punches that's uh that's consistent or do you kind of nuance it a bit and take a look at and try to interpret the power of the other guy uh who might not be throwing as many punches but is landing the flusher shots and like causing more damage you know it's it's a very interpretive thing whenever you're scoring round by round that's why what i was saying before talking about how uh when you have some commentators that you know they never laced up gloves you can appreciate the the voice that they give but they might not have the integrity when it comes down to saying i think so and so won that round because whenever you get like uh you know, a fighter, or I mean, if you get like Emanuel Stewart, the uh, the trainer who passed, he was able to pick up on things that it's just like, you know, somehow he's able to say stuff like, "Uh oh, he's in trouble," and all the other guys are just like, "Where are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. You know, he'll he'll be pointing out like all these things where it's just like, "I, I was watching that. I don't, I don't see what you're talking about." And then he gives that clear warning, and then in the next round, you know, sure enough, catastrophe happens. So like whenever you're listening to people uh say oh i think so and so won that round there's a graduation of like okay there's an elementary knowledge of a person who's never been in a fight a person who is more just kind of like a voice uh he might have an elementary knowledge of what he's seeing on the screen and that's kind of to be taken with a grain of salt but then a guy who uh um, who might know better, you know, he might be picking at little nuances that makes him believe that one other fighter won that round. But see, the thing is, like, we expect that we're holding, uh, we're holding these judge to a high degree of criticism. And I'm not saying that we should, uh, be soft on judges by any means, because that's the, that's the point of the sport. You know, you're, you're supposed to interpret it and the judges are supposed to have a quote-unquote objective viewing of it. But whenever it comes down to a decision, like a split decision, there is something itchy at the back of your head that makes you think, okay, is this uh, is this really just a false narrative? You know, is this something that the judges have kind of like, you know, have they been bought out? There's always that kind of question that you might be like, Having, but then there is another thing where, like, whenever you get certain judges, you see, these days it's not that we're only like putting fighters to account, it's not that we're only looking at the fighters in this sport, we're also looking at the judges, we're also looking at the refs, we're also looking at the commentators. It's a very interpretive sport where, once you become aware of like a certain, say, ref who's you know, willing to let like low blows happen or doesn't break up clinches. You know, there are any number of criticisms that you're not just having on the fighters, also having on the officials. But the thing with boxing is that everybody has a name, you know, in uh, in like the NFL or in like the NBA, you know, you're not going to be looking at one of the refs and being like, oh, I hate that guy. You know, you're not you're not remembering the guy who's wearing the black and white there, but in boxing, they're uh, they're the known suspects. When it comes down to it, the whole sport is about interpretive criticism. You're going to be watching like the more you get into it, it's not just about like fists flying. It's so much about politics. It's so much about they're constructing a narrative so that one of the boxers will win you know there's a high degree of that level of corruption in the sport where it's like okay we're we're planning on this just being a tune-up fight we're just planning on uh our fighter to win this fight because the script says this isn't the fighter they should be fighting. The fighter he should be fighting is the next fight. And so that's where the corruption gets involved. It's the whole business angle of boxing, where once you get past one fight and uh, you know, you you're looking down the road, the script says something that shouldn't be uh you know changed that the the, the business of it is kind of like all right we're going to screw the underdog out of a win just because the underdog isn't who we want to be facing you know this other guy so that's that's one of the aspects that you know you gotta hate about the sport yeah. it's not a 100 percent love affair with this sport for me at least like there are always things to hate and uh you know whenever i've been talking to other like boxing fans it that's it's a clear consensus that there are always going to be things that people who are hardcore boxing fans will hate about the sport because it really isn't 100% about getting the best fight possible it's closer toward getting the uh the fight that the the name of like it, like golden boy, like all of these, uh, sponsors and, and, and so forth. They're, they're kind of like directing the narrative more than the actual fighters themselves. And so that's why when you get into a split decision, there's always just kind of like a, you know, an ugly feeling whenever that happens, because, you know, if the only thing that's clear is a victory by knockout, That's the only objective, clear victory where nobody can argue with it. The guy got knocked the fuck out. He lost.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I think that was a pretty insightful breakdown. And I don't know. I I was drawing so many comps in my head talking about before when you were like how I would compare it to this sport or that sport. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Like real fast, I was just thinking about, you know. It's it, it's like when I see baseball fans complain about the umpire, like oh I hate this umpire because he calls too many stri- or he doesn't call strikes here, he does this or he's too uh, he's re- he's ready to eject this guy or okay so it
1: isn't it is in other sports where where they do recognize
0: bit, yeah. okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was
1: thinking that since like uh, baseball and the NFL and all of those like I was thinking that like certain since there were probably way more refs than in boxing, probably they'd fade into the uh, the crowd a bit more than boxing would. But you're saying that like, you know, it's pretty clear that, there are, like, refs that actually gain uh, notoriety. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. in fact, there's this one guy that comes to mind, this guy Joe West. Uh, he's an MLB umpire. He's been around way too long, like 40 or 50 years at this point. He has this notorious reputation for just, it's got to be his way. He likes to make a show of it on the field. He likes to eject the guy, put the attention on himself. But also, yeah. I was just thinking about this other comp, was talking about... Kind of in boxing, the certain style that might be playing out where a certain boxer might be, it might be kind of even. They're both kind of trading shots or one might be piling up the amount of, you know, punches or punches landed. And I was just thinking, like, this is probably a weird comp. But in hockey, I was thinking about when, just from the eyeball test, when you're just watching it on TV, you're not looking at any numbers, but it just looks like one team is taking all these shots at the net. And it looks like they're the more productive team, but then you look at it and it's like, well, of the 40 shots on goal, five of them were considered high danger ch- chances. The rest were just quantity. It's, it's got to be quality over quantity. So it's, it was just like, yeah, sometimes it's deceiving if you just think, okay, 50 shots on goal, but none of them were any chance of really going yeah. in the net. So
1: and playing your playing your game like uh, it's it's like <laughs> whenever uh, <laughs> say like Michael Jordan like does like a flashy dunk. It's still going to be two yes, points. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> There's so many. Like it's it's fun though because like as a very very casual observer, I can just draw these simulators. I'm like, all right, I get it. I... <laughs> yeah,
1: and this is exactly why. Like I was like, all right, I, I like Will. <laughs> like from That's the get go, right. I, I like, remember
0: I was thinking, about all right, this. Yeah, he's, he's getting it. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this last night. I was remembering that. But what I, what I did like, what I do think is interesting in boxing, and you were kind of getting at this before, where you know I've noticed. Like in this fight, Danny Garcia was one of the analysts, and he was the next fighter, basically on Porter. Now, was that already yeah. basically unofficially like a known, like they would fight, or because it seemed like I don't know, but it seemed like watching the post-fight uh, interview, she was like, uh, I, forget, I forget her name, but she was like, "You're gonna fight him next, right?" Like I'm just putting it out there. It was, it, and he was like, "Yeah, I want him. He's the best." So I kind of like that, yeah. where it's. Um, you know, like, in between fights, they might take a shot at analyzing and doing analysis and commentating, and then it's like, yeah, he's my next target, basically.
1: Right. That is always, like, it's interesting because, uh, you know, thinking about, like, if you become a fighter, and you get to that, like, high echelon, where you're, like, in near, like, the top of the sport, where you can pick and choose, like, the names that you want to fight, you know, obviously you got to be in cloud nine to actually be there being put into that position it's really interesting because at that point you're you're now like making a brand out of yourself and you're choosing who to fight and it's really like i don't know it's like it's kind of like uh I, I want to say it's, like, uplifting, but then there there's kind of, like, an asterisk to it, too, because it's, like, when you get into that area, you might not be the best promoter of yourself. Like, you might actually have, like, some shortcomings when it comes down to, like, you know, public speaking or something like that, because all you you've been doing is fighting. And so it's really interesting how, like... I mean, we got the clowns out there. We got, like, a Broner and, and all of those who, who are, like, extremely flashy and, like, just shit-talking and, like, trying to make people either laugh or, like, trying to make people, like, just notice them a bit more than just their boxing. And uh, it's really interesting how if, if you got a guy who has, like, personality of cardboard then it's it's kind of like get off the screen you know you as a viewer you're kind of like thinking along those lines where it's just kind of like ah, this guy can't talk but he wasn't he wasn't building those qualities you know he he was only thinking about being the best in the sport and so it's really interesting to me how every single fighter who got up to that like top echelon also has to be a promoter for themselves. And so like I said, if you have a personality of cardboard, then it's it's just like maybe you won't get certain fights and that aspect is kind of like unfair. No, nothing can be final until like once contracts are signed. It's like it's definitely a contractual sport where they're always coming up with like all right these are the details that I want in the contract and somebody's in charge of doing that. And so every fight itself is an event. And so because of that like there are there's so much like behind the scenes which you know kind of makes it so that every fight is is definitely different because it's not only different in the ring, but it's also different outside the ring. And that can either be something that makes the sport itself very flavorful or it can make the sport itself very like, I don't know, like bitter because things can fall apart outside of the ring, you know? How long did it take for the Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather fight to actually happen? It was like, right? I, I, might be like, I might be hyperbolic in saying this, but it really did seem like it was close to like a decade. You know, it was it was maybe like half a decade, but I think it was like a ridiculous
0: amount of time. Yeah, you know, I was thinking for at least five years. It seemed like one of those things people were always talking about.
1: Oh, it drove me crazy because I was just like. Everybody's talking about a fight that's not happening. Meanwhile, all these other fights are happening. You know, just shut up. <laughs> you know, so much of that was going in the anticipation of the sport, and I was getting frustrated like crazy. Like just anybody who I would mention boxing to, their go-to would just be like, "Hey, who do you think is going to win, Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather?" And I was, I was just like. I'm getting sick of answering this, but at least I'm becoming an expert on how I feel the fight would go. (laughs) Because I'm answering it so many times, you know? Right. Like, the whole time I was just saying, like, yeah, you know, Floyd Mayweather's going to win. It's it's not really going to be that much of a contest. I get it that Manny Pacquiao has angles and he has the... uh, crazy amount of volume and and so forth but i mean watching his fights when i was when i was watching his fights at the time i was thinking like yeah but he's he's just running in there to get countered and this was even before the juan manuel marquez counter like i was i was just you know seeing the the flaws in pacquiao and the thing about manny pacquiao is that he was always 100% athletic. It was, that was the mystique about him. And I, I, I said 100%, but that was the mystique about him where his athleticism was ridiculous. But I mean, go as far as like Roy Jones Jr., his athleticism was ridiculous as well. He also didn't have a chin, you know. He got caught and... Uh, Roy Jones Jr. near the end of his career I guess he had to fight against Tyson recently oh <laughs> uh, yeah that's right yep. I, I can't believe I even I can't believe that was actually a thing Like I, I never watched it but in any case uh, like Roy Jones Jr. was was 100% an athlete doing unorthodox things and he was able to get away with it because his, his, like, his abilities were so insane he kind of threw fundamentals outside and he was able to get away with a lot of things that a normal fighter shouldn't be able to get away with same thing with Manny Pacquiao now see whenever you look at it that way it's kind of like the real question becomes who's going to be the person to expose him and that was always the thing in the back of my mind I was like well, obviously it's Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is going to be the one to expose the weaknesses of Manny Pacquiao. And that's more what I was like putting my money on. I was more putting my money on that Floyd Mayweather over any other fighter would be able to dissect uh, Pacquiao's patterns and would be able to figure out how to take advantage of Pacquiao and, you know, land punches when Pacquiao's missing punches. And... Sure enough that that was pretty consistent with what happened but you know I'm saying it now and it's it's not as frustrating but back then it was so frustrating having to like give like a nuanced talk every single time how I felt any Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather fight would go because it was such a long build up and you know it ended up being a really like you know mediocre fight ultimately and i think that most what most people were banking on was that pacquiao would make it an interesting fight but he
0: didn't it's one of those fights that was hyped up so much and of course the average the average person that doesn't even care about boxing was like, "Oh, I can't wait to buy a, buy this fight for a hundred bucks," and <laughs> yeah, you know they're just right. they're just buying into the hype. But you know they don't watch boxing; they don't really get it. They just know the name Manny Pacquiao, so it's like one of those classic traps where it's like they got you for your money. But you know, like you know the sport, like you were just talking about with how this thing would play out. So it's it's just it's funny. Like I don't even have to know boxing to know what you already would have thought. Like you were just saying,
1: yeah. And see, the benefit of that is whenever you get, okay, gamblers out there, whenever you get an event like that where people are choosing from their hearts, you know, who's going to win, those are the times to take advantage of betting on a fight. Because the odds are going to be shifting back and forth, but they're shifting more because of the hearts of the people who are are choosing one fighter over another fighter. Now, see, for a while, I was I was pretty much betting on every fight. And, you know, the way that I did that was I would have parlays and I would do really small money parlays that uh, would ultimately get me an okay amount of money. Really small, as in less than $10, you know, kind of parlays that would give me maybe $10, <laughs> you know, because I was like, all right, I want to... I want to actually, like, pursue betting on every fight, but I don't want to bet on each individual fight. So the knowledge that came around through that was there are going to be times whenever people are swaying the odds by the popularity of the fighter themselves, uh, the fighters themselves. And one thing that I capitalized on was back whenever... um, Okay, so there was this Thai fighter, his name was, uh, I think, I'm Not Ruin Wrong, and he was against this Chinese fighter, can't remember his name, but he was the popular one, (laughs) which is ironic, but the thing is, I studied up on, like, they had fights in the amateurs, and so I was like, I was looking into that, I was looking into the specifics of how their fights went, and... I was like, all right, I'll go on YouTube and I'll uh, I'll look up I'm not ruined wrong, and then I would uh, look at I'm not's uh, style, like how he fought, and then I would look at uh, the the Chinese fighter. He was uh, he a gold medalist from the Olympics. Um, those of you who know know his name. I can't think of it right now. And I just realized that I'm not ruined wrongs. Style is not good for this guy. And so, going for like watching from fight to fight, I was kind of taking stock in the fact that this Chinese fighter, he had, uh, he had like the glamorous, uh, veneer of having like just the gold medal from the Olympics. You know, it's kind of like if you're trying to uh, publish a short story and you previously got published in the New Yorker, you know, something like that, where it's, it's just like, Oh, you were published in the New Yorker. Well, obviously I'm going to publish you. You know, you kind of have that, that's that feather in your cap where, where it's like, Oh, that's impressive. But it's, it's not necessarily looking at the reality of things and, so if you are thinking about getting into gambling uh, on boxing, those are the things to capitalize on. And just pay attention to certain nuances that are like an objective truth about a certain fighter. And look for objective, like a, a, a kryptonite. You know, look at a certain style that m- might uh, do extremely well against another style. And then, like, you know, toss aside all of the New Yorker bullshit, the feather and the cap of bullshit. Once you toss all of that aside, then you can make actually some money in it. But the main thing was whenever I saw that uh, Ruin Wrong had won two out of their three fights in the amateurs, I was looking at Ruin Wrong's fighting style. Very dirty fighter. Very rough. Very rugged. And then this uh, this Chinese fighter very, like, debonair, very, uh, like, always trying to get this, like, image of himself. And so whenever you play the dichotomy of you have one guy who's trying to always look good, and then you have another guy who's just a, a fighter, like, just a guy eating nails for breakfast, you know? Whenever you look at the two of them, it's just kind of like, come on, bro, you, you lost against this dude twice in the Emmys. And here you got this guy who's eating nails. You were getting soft touches in your last few fights because, oh, you're the gold medalist from China. And I was like, I'm going to put my money on the the guy from Thailand.
0: (laughs) I don't know if it's the same guy, but I do remember a a boxer from whether it was China or...
1: I think, yeah, I think we did watch one of his fights because... It was the first broadcast uh, from China that was available to the
0: rest of the world.
1: I think first broadcast on HBO taking place in China. I think that's what it was.
0: Yeah, it was something just like that. And And it was that guy. Yeah, I don't know if you've already mentioned it, but has he done anything of note lately, or has he just kind of faded off into the... Background. Well, I'll be honest.
1: I've been, I and mean, you know this. I haven't really been paying attention to the sport as much as I used to. So I don't really know what his status is. All I know is that you know you got the the millions upon millions upon millions of Chinese backing a guy, and so it's gonna be hype. You know, <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of people on your side. Exactly. You might. I mean, that's that's a tall order to deliver the goods of, like, hundreds of millions of people, you know, who are your fans. <laughs> like, to be honest, you know, I was always kind of, like, uh, raising an eyebrow to that dude because I tend to be under the impression of uh, quizzically wondering about hype. Whenever a fighter gets hype behind him, Instead of joining the train that's like skyrocketing his popularity, what I do is I try to see like you know the chinks in his armor. I put extra emphasis right. in thinking about okay, I'm I'm cutting out all of that uh, that white noise, and I I want to actually think about how is this guy really?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah like you said it's uh especially when you have like a whole country behind a guy you know they're they're all with their heart they want this guy to succeed so of course if he's getting all this hype and it's the average person that doesn't even like esp well not to put on not to put esp on blast cuz i know they do like their friday night fights or at least they used to yeah, they but used to. uh the average sports center anchor doesn't even really watch the sport and he's like oh yeah this guy's you know it's like all right they don't probably follow the sport like the
1: yeah, yeah. That's an interesting topic in itself, like the whole Gus Johnson going into boxing.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah. Thing. Yep. Yep. You know, now he got it better though, didn't he? Like you, he I think did, you said he, that he kind of uh yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's
1: it's always sink or swim whenever you have a commentator going from a different sport into boxing. Because boxing is so nuanced. You have to have a keen eye of the minutiae every little thing that's going on in the ring you have to pay attention to you have to have focus it's one of like the few things that i watch where i feel like if i take my eyes away from the fight i'm no longer objective (laughs) like it's it's not like a movie it's not like football where there are like you know breaks and i mean sure you can look away whenever they're in the corner and and so forth but like Whenever the actual like uh, the fighting is going on, like not only if you want to actually have an objective opinion about each round, you have to focus on each round, and you know that's uh that's kind of like the it's kind of the double-edged sword of the of the the sport because it's like you can only really to a pure sense appreciate the sport. If you're focused on every second of what's going on in the ring, in the NFL you got points, and all, all the other for, all the other sports you got points, but in boxing it's interpretive, and so right. if you if you're just paying attention to the points that the unofficial scorecard gives, you know you're not really seeing the the fight objectively. I, I find that to be such an interesting and like unique aspect to I guess prize fighting in general because I mean you can watch like kickboxing or or UFC and it's it's pretty much the same thing. but like uh, you have to be watching every second in order to grasp the whole narrative. If a person's not into that aspect of the sport, I can't blame them at all. But that certainly is an aspect.
0: Yeah, taking it back to the uh, the Porter-Spence fight, I was sure. looking at the scores from that fight, and two had it 116-111-Spence, and the other had it 115-112-Porter. And it's like, what's the discrepancy? Like, how did this one guy go... Because that seems like such a, a huge swing, to have it from 116-111 on one side to 115-112 for the other guy. Well... It
1: all comes down to criteria. It's either criteria if you're being nice to what the judges are doing, or it's they go in with a bias. Yeah, so if we're saying this is a perfect world and a perfect uh, judging panel, then it's going to be criteria. What are they looking for? Some judges are going to be looking at, you know, nuances of how how powerful a certain punch seems, you know, in every punch that lands, you know, there are some punches that land with just a low degree of power. And then other punches that land with a high degree of power. And are you the kind of judge that looks at those certain nuances and says, Oh, well, I mean, that punch that he landed is actually five punches of what the other guy landed. You know, because the other guy's not really putting as much mustard on the punches. He's not really making it so that, you know, damage is happening. Damage is occurring. And so it gets into the dichotomy of, is this the hurt business or is this fencing? And like (laughs) with fencing, it's like if you touch with the, uh, the, the sword, the epee, then you're going to get a point. You know that's 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 pretty much how the amateurs were, but in uh, prize fighting, in in like the professional prize fighting, there it, it kind of muddies the waters a bit in watching a fighter who is creating more damage on the other fighter, and you have to you have to question: okay, do I give the round to that guy who? in my light, seemed to have been uh, uh, creating more damage on the other guy than the uh, uh, than the other opponent, or do I favor the, uh, the punch output? The amount of punches that land, and I'm not even going to think about uh, how powerful the punches are. So that's whenever it muddies the waters quite a bit, where you might be favoring one end of criteria and not the other end of criteria. And that's why you can get extremely disparate scorecards because you know there's there's a common like there's a the common trope of a person screaming at the television screen and saying what fight were you watching you know that's the thing like it's it's all interpreted and a lot of times it becomes groupthink you know a lot of times people just listen to the commentary listen to what the uh, commentators are saying and they might be in six beers by the time that the main event occurs. And by that point, you know, they're just like, he was robbed. You know, whenever the commentators who might just be guys who came from the NFL are (laughs) interpreting a fight i mean i'm i'm being very facetious here but like
0: no that's i totally get that yeah but
1: there are times where where that happens
0: i think it was pacquiao and tim bradley where everybody was like he was robbed and you were like no tim bradley won this fight
1: yeah uh there are going to be people watching this they're going to be like oh he he picked bradley over pacquiao yeah (laughs) that I'm going to turn off my headphones right now. Like there are a lot of people who gave me shit for that. But um, Yeah. yeah, I became public enemy number one because I actually agreed with the judge's scorecard and that uh, i thought that tim bradley won that fight
0: well i think it shows that you know what you're you're talking about though because it's so easy for everybody to jump on the bandwagon and be like oh pacquiao cause, just because they didn't it piles Pacquiao's, on but then <laughs> right but like you know like what you're looking for you know it, it's funny to me though because like it, even though boxing is so interpretive even in other sports where they're there's specific roles in place and then something happens where that role isn't called the way you would think it would be. Yeah. And it's like, like, you know, sometimes it seems so black and white and then it's like, you can really look at it and be like, well, I can see why they didn't call this or why they did or, you know?
1: Yeah. See the, uh, another aspect that's pretty corrupt about the sport is that, uh, there isn't the, um, instant replay refereeing in boxing where if, If the referee objectively made a wrong call, there are states where they, I mean, obviously every state is sanctioned a different way, uh, but there are very, very few states that have instant replay refereeing where the referee can look at an instant replay after he judged something that might be subversive. And he can get a second look at what he had just, you know, called out upon another fighter. There are very few states that actually have that. And, and so th- that's another thing where it's just like, why? <laughs> you know, it's something that should yeah, exist. Right, right. It should be, you know, an objective uh, source of information. You have this technology, use it. And I mean, yeah. things like that, the seriously, just like a, a winner winning a fight, it means everything to these guys. And if a, I said a winner winning a fight, I meant a fighter winning a fight, uh, <laughs> like whenever fighters get in the ring and, you know, they, they go in to get hurt. <laughs> like you kind of want things to actually work out in an objective and like, you know right. respectable way but there there are so many cases where it's not a respectable sport and this is coming from a person who loves it
0: <laughs> exactly and you were saying earlier how there are certain things that i guess i don't know you didn't say this specifically but it's almost like you, you understand the ugliness of the sport but you also can look past that or you can you can kind of you're thinking about both sides of it basically you understand that so the, the not corrupt. Well, yeah, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. The ugliness versus what you you know, how the sport is itself. So, yeah, you were saying before. I know you told me before that um you haven't been able to watch as so many fights. And that was kind of I'm trying to remember, is it did they go off yeah. HBO or Showtime or Yeah, that
1: really turned me off. I had been seeing, you know, it was, anybody who was paying attention to the sport would see that Al Heyman was running things. Like he was monopolizing the whole sport by uh Premier boxing champions, bringing it to network television. Ultimately, HBO made their own choice. I don't want to say that, oh, damn you, Al Heyman. Like, I'm not, I'm not thinking that he's like the mustache twirling villain of, of sorts. But like, <laughs> uh, when it came down to it, ultimately HBO made the decision to drop boxing, and. I mean, I remember being happy about uh, Al Heyman's premier boxing champions showing up because I was like, oh, hell yeah, boxing coming back to network television. I'm I'm all for anything that makes a sport more popular and more people watching it because, you know, it deserves to be watched. These these guys, you know, put their livelihood on the line um, in this sport, and I want people to appreciate them. Uh, the problem was that um, Al Heyman was very, uh, I guess, <clears throat> capitalistic. <laughs> you know, he he ultimately just wanted to be like the the guy, the guy that was uh, running the sport as far as uh, production goes, and he was he was a bit too powerful, <laughs> and so. Whenever he made it so that uh, Floyd Mayweather jumped off of uh, HBO, jumped ship from HBO, went on to Showtime, that was a huge blow. Right. I think at that point, whenever... like They just kept on chipping away at, at HBO, kept on doing little things to make it so that people weren't watching HBO, they were watching these other uh, stations. And I mean, hey, I'm kind of contradicting myself because I'm just kind of like, rah, rah, HBO, boo Al Heyman, you know, I'm kind of giving that whole vibe right now. But ultimately, HBO used to be the kings of the sport. Back in like the Mike Tyson days, HBO and boxing was synonymous to each other. I think that the main thing that uh that kind of turned me off was whenever okay more people were coming to the table producing this sport but they were also getting rid of the voices that I respected. I also kind of tie in the whole Teddy Atlas getting thrown out of the sport to the same like uh along the same lines as that because it's like Okay, they're, go- they're going to do away with Friday Night Fights, which I absolutely loved. That was like, that was the network uh, boxing. You couldn't find it on any other channel, but ESPN every Friday, you know, it was awesome because it would, it would co- specifically uh, be focused on fighters who otherwise wouldn't have had uh, airtime. And this would be, okay, a fighter who is prior to the echelon of HBO and Showtime um, viewage. So, I mean, I love that aspect. Back then, you had the gradualness. Before Friday, uh, before like ESPN or Friday Night Fights, you don't get televised. You gain exposure on ESPN, and then after that, if you prove yourself on ESPN, then... You could probably get picked up by Showtime or HBO on one of the undercard fights. And then if you prove yourself on the undercard fight, then maybe you'll eventually get a main event. I loved how simple that was. Now that it's at the point where it's, uh, since you don't have those levels, and pretty much everything is on network television... And I don't even know what station specifically, because it was a complete mess whenever Al Heyman got involved and was just like, all right, I'm going to put this on Spike TV. I'm going to put this on uh, uh, Fox, you know, uh, it, like he, he came up with all of these different stations where I'm just like looking at the schedule. I'm like, OK, that's on Wealth TV. Wealth TV? I don't know if I have that. You know. <laughs> there are there were so many stations where it was just kind of like that, where it's just like, do I have that channel? And if you're like if you're following like a, a certain boxer, it's just kind of like, well, I guess I can't watch it unless I have wealth TV. <laughs> and uh that was only one fight that I remember, but, <laughs> but there were like so many stations where it was just like, they're all sister networks, you know? And since they're sister networks, it's just kind of like, all right, where is premier boxing ch- uh, champions going to be on now? And it's like finding where's it's like, where's Waldo just trying to figure out what station's going to have the fight when the fight's were simple when it was just like you have HBO, you have Showtime, and then you have everything else. You got ESPN, and then, you know, they might have had one or two other stations where occasionally there would be boxing. It was simple. It was easy to stay on top of things, and uh, I could just put on the TV and go on to ESPN, and I'm just like, all right, you know, let's roll. I don't know who's fighting tonight, but I'll know by the end of tonight whether or not I'll follow one of the fighters, you know, now that right, it's kind of right. like muddied waters and it's on so many different channels, I'm I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm getting tired. I, I can't do this every time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny when you're talking about like wealth TV or whatever. They had like an NFL game on it was like only available on Amazon Prime and I'm like, I don't even have Amazon Prime, I'm like why would you do this? Why would you alienate your fan base? It's like the most popular sport. Why are you putting it on a channel that no one gets? It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, that's, that's how I felt. It's like if they put the Super Bowl on, like, Animal Planet, <laughs> yeah. it's like five people don't, or like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I don't get that. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, put it on this network. Millions of people are going to get this channel. It's going to be fine. Don't put it on the one channel that no one gets. Three, two, one, zero, zero.